Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Amen. Well, listen, uh, I've got my uh, uh, T-shirt on, and if you saw, we got a little bit different configuration uh, in the foyer. When Charles said, hey, I want to set up a tabernacle, I didn't know he meant he was building up a whole whole church in there. So uh, uh, you saw that. Uh, when you came in the foyer, uh, Charles and Tammy Hasselbring, they are missionaries to uh, South Africa. And we had a, an opportunity to take a team down there and build a, a tabernacle for them. And we have some people from South Africa who are watching some of our friends that we made uh, while we were in, uh, in South Africa. And we want to welcome you. Thank you for watching. We're talking about you and your church this morning and what a wonderful time that we had while we were in your beautiful country. Uh, but, but Charles and Tammy, uh, they are uh, missionaries to South Africa, and they do uh, missionary construction. And I'm very thankful that he came. I had to cancel him twice, and I'm so thankful he's a forgiving missionary. The events of the world kept exploding, and I kept, Charles, listen, I, I need to move you back. I need to move you back. And uh, so it worked out where he could come today. But uh, we're very honored uh, to have them. If you not just saw the tabernacle, but the picture in front, you'll see uh, the church that we built, the tabernacle that we built while we were down there. And we had a great time, met some wonderful people while, uh, while we were in South Africa. But this morning, it is our honor. It's always an honor when you have a missionary in the house. And we want to welcome and uh, make welcome to Generations Church this morning. Would you do that? Missionaries Charles and Tammy Hasselbring. Check my phone. Check my phone. Yes, check my phone. Check my phone. 22 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. You know, Pastor Brian said we got postponed twice, once for corona, once for riots. But in Psalms 121, it says, now here we are. So now here we are. It's great to be here. We've been looking forward to being with y'all. Been, you know, y'all have a, one of the greatest teams that we've ever worked with. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. We have a lot of great teams that come, but y'all's team was awesome. And your pastor, I tell you, he works. He, he was a hard, hard worker. He mixed that cement. Every, every day he would come in, he just covered with cement from head to toe. Throwing that cement in the, in the mixer and Wow. It was a great time. Pastor Malomo, I, I, I don't know if you're watching, if uh, the guys, if, if you're watching, go greet Pastor Malomo for us. We miss her. She's such a sweet lady. One of the, one of the sweetest pastors that, that we've ever worked with and uh, just, just actually loved working with him. But I bring you greetings from the church in South Africa. You'll be uh, here a little bit later on, Pastor Dr. Labilo, our general superintendent, for the Assemblies of God in South Africa, we'll be greeting you in person on the by, the, with, by video. But he told me to be sure and greet 
the people in America for him. And thank you for your support in helping us to, to build tabernacles in, in Africa. But I want to talk with you a little bit about it. We're going to talk about Shacks Must Fall a little bit later. But let me talk with you a little bit about what's your story? You know, we all have a story. Everybody, everybody has a story, and everybody's story is different. You know, my story was when, I was, when I was just seven years old, my dad and I went out, we tore down a bunch of these old houses, you know, these old farmhouses that had that old nice, good, heart pine lumber. And we brought all that wood back to the site where we were going to build our house, and he made me come home from school every day and pull nails. You know, I had to put all the two-by-fours in this stack, all the two-by-sixes over here, and the two-by-twelves over here. I had them all stacked up nice and neat. And, and was out there one day. I was by myself. I was pulling nails, and God spoke to me just as plain as could be. was it audible, but I remember it was so real. I remember I, I, I set my hammer down, and I was looking around to see who said it. And he simply said, Charles, when you grow up, I want you to build churches in Africa. So here we are. <laughs> 20 years later, people ask us all the time, well, how many churches have you built? I'm like, I don't know. I never counted. I did count this last term, and this last term we built 70 tabernacles in just under three years. <laughs> one of those is the one that y'all did there in uh, for Pastor Malomo, and uh, so, you know, every tabernacle counts. You know, we was in, uh, in Moffa King, and uh, I never forget, we had a team from, from Fort Worth, Texas, and, and, and we were out in the middle of the bush, way out, way out. I mean, it was three hours to the closest lodge, so in the morning, we had to drive three hours to get there. We had to, get, had to leave early, because you can't drive at night, because the cows, the donkeys, the elephants are crossing the road, and... And, and it, it, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to drive at night. So we had to leave early so we could get back. And we got out. We got the tabernacle done. The whole thing was finished. We get back to Moffat King, the town there that we were staying in. And we looked down. The van that they were driving had a flat tire. You know, in Africa, every bush, every tree that's indigenous to Africa has thorns. And big ones. You know, we used to, get, we, we go get them, and, and we'll pull them off and pick our teeth with them. They're, they're big old things, and they get in your tires, and they give you a flat tire. Well, one of those thorns got in the tire of the van, and, and so, so I look down the street, and the tire place just happened to still be open. We drive down, and Aaron, one of the guys on the team, was with me, and, and Sipo comes out, and he gets his jack, and he begins to put it underneath the van, to jack it up, and Aaron, my buddy, the American, says, Sipo, be careful with that jack. You know, we rented this van. We don't want to tear anything up. Be careful. I'll never forget, Sipo turned around, just very, very generously, very kindly and softly, and he looked at Aaron, and he says, I know my story. You see, he, he didn't need us telling him how to fix the tire. He knows how to fix the tire. But there's always going to be somebody to try to tell you how to live your story. You know, last term, just before we went back, I, I, we was, uh, I had a lady text me 
from my home church out in Oklahoma, you know, known her my whole life, but she texted me and she said, Brother Charles, God told me to tell you that your time in missions is over. That you're supposed to come off the field now. I just I looked at it and I kind of chuckled. I said, well, he didn't tell me. You know, you can't listen to other people. The other people will get you in trouble. The only person that knows your story is you and God. Now, I will say, like, you know, I got a buddy named Steve Evans that, that when I got in trouble in Africa, when I would get into a fix or I would do something stupid that was against culture and I would kind of get, I would call my buddy Steve and I'd say, because he's been a missionary for, for almost 50 years. And I would call Uncle Steve and I'd say, Uncle Steve, I messed up. What do I do? And he would give me advice. He was, you know, just do this and that. And I told Uncle Steve one day, I said, I didn't always listen to your advice, but when I didn't, I always wished I had him. You know, so we also need somebody that we can listen to, somebody that we trust and that we can listen to. See, your story lives on long after you're gone. Long after you're gone, people are going to be telling your story. Years ago in, in Kruger National Park, see, we live right next to Kruger Park, and there are these big tusk elephants, these big, I mean, just, just big, massive, just magnificent-looking animals, and Duke was one of those elephants. Duke was one, was, had tusks that were so big that the juvenile elephants used to walk in front of him to help him carry his tusk when he got older. We had the privilege of seeing Duke a few times before he died after he had already broken off one of his tusks because they were so heavy. But, but Duke loved people. Duke was named after a man named Thomas Duke, who was a game ranger there at Kruger Park. Everybody loved Thomas Duke. Thomas Duke loved all the animals, and, and he was just a really cool guy from what I hear, from what I read. And so Duke was named after him. Duke would, 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 would walk. His, his routes were along the tourist routes where all the tourists would come and, and because he liked to show off in front of people. On the other hand, there was another elephant named Mafanyani. Mafanyani was named after Lou Steen. Lou Steen was a grouchy old grumpy man that nobody liked. And he didn't like nobody else. So Mafanyani, which in the Songa language means the irritable one, is what this elephant was named after. But Mafanyani here, he had an excuse. See, when, he was, when Mafanyani was a young bull elephant, he got in a fight with, a, with another bull elephant. And the other bull elephant put his tusk through his skull. You can see the hole right there in his head. Put his tusk through his skull and into his nasal cavity, allowing Mafanyani to breathe through that hole in the top of his head. Now, the other cool thing, you say, what does that got to do with, with tabernacles? Well, nothing, but it's a cool story. But Mafanyani, left rear foot, had one toe that jutted out, allowing him to be tracked very easily by the game rangers. Left him a completely unique, different footprint than all the other elephants. Everybody always knew where Mafanyani had been because of his one footprint. You know, I say today, tabernacles leave a footprint. Tabernacles leave a footprint. See, Mafanyani's footprints, they're gone. They, they're, they're all, he died in 1984. His, feet, his footprints are all washed away by the African rain and the, 
and stuff, but his, his, his footprints are gone. But tabernacles leave a footprint that will last for all eternity. That's why I'm so passionate about what I do. I heard Bubba. Where's Bubba at? I want, I, want, I want Bubba to come with me everywhere I go. He was out there. He's more passionate than I am about tabernacle. <laughs> he was out there. He was just, he was telling the stories better than I could. I, you know, I think Bubba needs to come back with me. We'll take him, we'll take him back to Africa. But do you know your story? You know, everybody's story should include using your gifts and your talents that God gave you to tell his story. You see, Jesus knew his story. If there was ever one man on earth that we can look back and we know that he knew his story, it's Jesus. See, in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49 and 50, you know, Jesus got lost. You remember that story? Jesus was lost. Of course, we know he wasn't really lost, but Mary and Joseph thought that he was lost. And see, Tammy and I can relate. We, we were... My son, DJ, was about nine years old. We were at a, at a store, kind of like the Walmart of South Africa. It's called Game. We was at the Game store. Typically, the, the, the witch doctors in Africa will send these young boys into the Game store and entice younger boys to come out so they could take them and the witch doctor can take them and kill them and cut up their body parts and use them for medicine. Muti, they call it. And, and we were in the store, and I found, I, saw, I, I was somewhere else. I came around, I saw Tammy, and she says, where's DJ? I said, I don't know, I thought he was with you. And she said, no, I thought he was with you. And so we panicked. We was looking everywhere, and Tammy come around the corner, right close to the exit to the store, with four guys with their hands on my son, DJ, getting ready to, try, to pull him out of the store. And when Mama come around the corner and shouted, DJ, and they looked up and saw Mama, DJ was able to jerk away and come and run and get behind Mama again. So, you know, I, I understand where, where Mary and Joseph came, was coming from. You know, they, 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 they thought they lost him. But in chapter 2, verse 49, it says, But why did you need to search, Jesus said, after they found him? He said, Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And then it says, But they didn't understand what he meant. You know, sometimes your parents won't understand your story. You know, I'm sure they came around later, and they and they later they they understood. You know, my dad. When I told my dad, Dad, I'm I'm going to Africa to build churches, he didn't like it. He didn't understand. He didn't understand my story. He eventually came around, and he was all proud of me. And I, you know, we got his blessings eventually. But but for a while, he he didn't understand. So sometimes your parents will, will not understand your story. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42 through 44, it says, Early the next morning, Jesus went to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news to the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. And what would have happened if Jesus had listened to the crowd? You know, the crowds will get you, really get you in trouble. If Jesus had listened to the crowds, think of all the people around Judea that would have never heard about Jesus' story. 
You can't listen to the crowds. You know, Jesus' own friends did not understand. He had been with them for years, traveling with them, going all over and, and preaching with them. And, and in John 14, in verse number 1, it says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is much more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? You know, Doug Clay, our, our general superintendent, said, Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You know, Doug Clay didn't say it. Jesus just said it. You know, he said it here. And then he said, when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way where I am going. Next verse says, no, we didn't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you are going, so how can we really know the way? Jesus has been explaining this to him for, for, for several years now. And they still didn't get it. His friends didn't understand. You see, there's nobody can stop God from fulfilling your story except you. Your friends can't stop you. The crowds can't stop you. Your parents can't stop you. But you can't. We've got to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not encouraging the kids to be rebellious against their parents, but, but we've got to know our story. We've got to know our story. John Harper is another man that knew his story. Has anybody ever heard of John Harper? Anybody ever heard of the Titanic? You know, John Harper was a Baptist preacher on the Titanic, on that maiden voyage, the ship that was unsinkable. You know, it, nothing could sink this ship. They were on their, this voyage, and while all the other people were, were partying, they, were, they, were, they, you know, they had the gambling, there was a lot of business deals being made, and they were on their way across the Atlantic Ocean. And, and, and while they were doing all that, John Harper was with his seven-year-old daughter. John Harper was a, was a widow. He was going around telling people about Jesus. You know, before the ship even hit the iceberg, he would come up to people and say, man, are you saved? If you would just believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. He was going from person to person to person, and then the ship hit the iceberg. And when John Harper knew that that ship was going down, he took his daughter, put her on a lifeboat to make sure she was safe, gave her a kiss on the cheek, and said, I'll see you again one day. And John knew he was never going to see his daughter again on this earth. The stories say that he could have very easily gotten on that lifeboat with his daughter, but he chose because he knew his story. He knew his calling. He, he went back onto that ship, running to everybody he could find. Are you saved? The man, are you saved? If you'll just believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And then the ship broke in two, and, and over 1,500 people jumped off into that cold Frigid water that night, including John Harper. He was on a piece of, of, a, of a driftwood or something he was floating around on, and he, he floated up to a man named Mark Webb, and he said, man, are you saved? Mark Webb said, no, I can't say that I am. He said, if you'll just believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. He floated on around, and Mark Webb is telling this story many years later that he heard him going from person to person to person, 
trying to get as many of them saved because he knew if they hadn't given their life to Jesus yet, he knew what was in store for them. And he, he actually floated back around and he came to Mark Webb again. He says, man, are you saved yet? You see, you can't give up. You can't give up on your friends and your family. You can't just ask them once and then say, and then go on. He floated back around. He came to Mark Webb. He said, man, are you saved yet? And he said, no, I can't say that I am. And with that, John Harper sunk, lost his strength and let go of the drift wood and, and, and he drowned. Mark Webb said, that night with two miles Cold, frigid water under my feet. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I am, Mark, I am John Harper's last convert. You say, when's the last time, when's the last time we got on our face before God and prayed for the rest of the world, prayed for the lost around the world? See, Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know, I remember when this whole corona thing just started up. Quarantine had just started. We're supposed to stay at home and, and not go out. And, and I was watching the news and there was a tornado in Oklahoma. See, I grew up in Oklahoma. So when I hear tornado in Oklahoma, I instantly start thinking, Geez, I hope my family's okay. And then they came back and said, ah, just, just one person died. Thought, well, you know, I grew up with tornadoes my whole life. I know they, they can do a lot of damage. They have the potential to kill a lot of people. But just one person died, so not so bad. Then I found out it was in southern Oklahoma. I grew up in northern Oklahoma. So not affecting me. My family's fine. And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and said, but what about that one family? What about that, that one house? What about that one? What about that? And he said, yeah, God cares about that one. He cares about every one. See, in Lesotho, we do a lot of work there in, in Lesotho, and they, they have shepherds that go out and they... They, they take care of the flock. They take care of the sheep and the goats and the donkeys. And, and you can drive through anywhere you go in Lesotho, and you'll see these shepherds out in the fields. Many times, they're, they're young boys. They don't get paid much. It's cold. They have, they, they're taking the flocks up to the mountains, and they're, they're gone for several months at a time up into the mountains taking care of the sheep. The only pay that they get is when they bring the sheep back they get to keep one sheep. But don't you think he's going to do everything he can to take and make sure that every sheep comes back? Because if he loses even one sheep, he doesn't get his one sheep for his pay. He's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that that sheep gets returned so he can have his pay. Jesus does that for us. He paid it all so that we could be saved. Jesus cares about every single one. In Africa, there's over 240 million people 
that have never heard the story of Jesus Christ. There's over 840 unreached people groups in sub-Sahara Africa alone that have never heard the witness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, I believe tabernacles are the best way to reach the lost in Africa. If we can go ahead and show that, that video of the, the, the tabernacles there. Matumi Church in, in uh, Limpopo, South Africa with Pastor Malomo and her husband. We just completed the uh, tabernacle here uh, and then poured the floor. And uh, Pastor Malolo, what, what is this church going to do? How is it going to impact and help your village here in, in uh, Limpopo? I think this church uh, of our, our village Madume IAG. It will help the people from this area to, to know God and they will be healed in the name of Jesus in this church. South Africa, we are so grateful to God the Almighty for this wonderful Assemblies of God uh, ministry. Uh, in our country, it's such a challenge to uh, 
get property, have a building uh, for place of worship. And we want to thank God that uh, through this ministry, so many churches have been built. So many people are coming to the knowledge of Christ as Lord and Savior. And without this valuable ministry, it would be difficult. So from the bottom of our hearts, we are so much grateful for God to provide people like uh, Reverend Hasselbrand to do such a wonderful service. May God richly bless you. And all those who are contributing uh, generously to this ministry, may God richly bless you. This is a valuable investment in God's kingdom. Thank you. See, tabernacles give our pastors influence and credibility in their villages so that they can reach the lost. Pastor Posh, one of our pastors in Limpopo, you all worked with him a little bit there. He was, he was there on site. He told me, he said, you know, after we received the tabernacle, before, before we received the tabernacle, and we were meeting in the shack, people would just walk right on by the gate, and they wouldn't even come in. But after we received a tabernacle and the walls came up and people started taking note that something's going on over there, it gave Pastor Posh the credibility and influence and people started coming in the gate. He called me just before we left, just before we came back for our itineration. He said, Pastor Charles, when you get back, I need an extension because my tabernacle is too small. They have filled the building. And, and, and that typically happens a lot within a few months or a year, pastors will call me back and say, ah, we need an extension because people are coming. Because tabernacles create interest in the village and people come and they, 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 they and give, and give their lives to Jesus in many times. You see, one-third of our congregations are meeting in shacks or under trees or in some sort of makeshift structure. But in many places in Botswana where they were just meeting under trees, just anywhere they can get out of this hot African sun to have a place to worship God in. See, this ship that we call Earth is going down. It's going down quick. We see all the time the events of the things that are happening, and I believe whatever we're going to do, we need to do it now. There's still so many people in Africa that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, last term I told you we, we built 70 tabernacles, and I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so proud that, that, that those congregations and those pastors, those, all 70 of them got received a tabernacle, but what about the hundreds and hundreds that are still waiting? You see, we've been asked to now re, re, do tabernacles for all of Southern Africa, for Zimbabwe and Zambia, Mozambique, Lesotho, Angola, nine countries in the Southern Africa area. With all those together, we have hundreds and hundreds of tabernacles requests waiting for pastors and congregations that are waiting for a place. You want to know why we say shacks must fall? You know, because one-third of our African congregations are meeting in shacks, under trees, under tarps, whatever they can get. Shacks must fall. Because tabernacles give our pastors influence 
and credibility so that they can reach the lost in their village, shacks must fall. Because the day an African pastor receives a tabernacle is typically usually one of the best days of their ministry because they know that's going to help them and give a, provide a venue for them to reach the lost in their village. Shacks must fall. See, because tabernacles prepare people for heaven, shacks must fall. So we're here today to ask you, and I know I don't even have to ask. Oh, Pastor Brian's already got his shirt on and got Bubba back there telling her all about the trip. But we're asking people to join our team, to join the team of Shacks Must Fall and help us to, to build structures, build tabernacles for our congregations all across, all across Africa. Thank you, Pastor. Mm. Thanks, Charles. Worship team, you can, you can come up here. Um, if you were part of our uh, South Africa team and you are here, would you please just stand right where you're at? Not all of them could make it this morning, but if that's you, would you just stand where you're at this morning? We've got some that are there. Danny, Bubba in the back. Give these guys a hand. We had Paul. Yeah. We, we had a tremendous, uh, we had a tremendous uh, time there. Um, we support Charles on a monthly basis, Charles and Tammy. So when you see the work that he's doing over there, I just want you to know you're a part of that. You know, sometimes you give offerings and you never see the fruit or hear the fruit. I'm just telling you, every time there's a tabernacle that goes up, uh, you, have a, you have a part in that. And I want to say, too, um, when we saw the old shack, okay, it, it, you couldn't have gotten 25 people in there. I mean, it was hot, it was dirty, and the, but when we left, you know, they, they could get hundreds under that new tabernacle. So not only does it give credibility, man, it just gives space for them to grow. And while we were putting up, I mean, we were in Mutame, it was a, a, a very destitute kind of village, but it was the only new construction that was there and people kept coming by, checking it out. People came and uh, uh, it, he, when he said it gives the community a new credibility, it really does. Anytime like you build a new church, you know, people are interested in that, but especially in that context. So uh, uh, just, just wanted to say thanks. Uh, Charles and Tammy are home on itineration. So in the missionary world, you go serve four years and then you come home for a year and you raise your budget and you raise funds to go back. Okay, so that's what kind of what missionaries do. So they're here. Uh, unfortunately, the pandemic, who knows when he's going to be able to go back. But uh, we want to partner with them again. We want to, uh, you know, we want to give an offering to them this morning and which we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to, we're just going to pray over them. And one thing you can do, you can go buy a Shacks Must Fall uh, t-shirt. They're out there uh, next to the uh, permanent building that he built in our foyer. So uh, I'm going to charge him rent or we'll be able to use it for kids church or something like that. So uh, when I came in, 
Bubba had a drill. I'm like, wow, this is a legit tabernacle out there. So, uh, uh, but you can buy a t-shirt and help support that. But also, we're going to take an offering for Charles. And uh, we support him on a monthly basis. But we want to give an offering this morning just to say thank you and to make sure that they get back to South Africa. So you can give online. There's a drop down. You can give on the app. There's a, it just says like guest missionary. Uh, you can give in that. You can write a check. You can put it in the drop box. You can text. There's all kinds of ways to give. But we want to bless them. As much as I know that they enjoy being here in Alabama, I mean, in Alabama, excuse me, in Florida, in Florida, uh, they want to get back to the field of their calling, okay? And I want to say this about them too. When they do tabernacle construction, they're on site every day. I mean, it was hot where we were at. It was dusty. I didn't even want to tell you about the restroom facilities and uh, all of that. Uh, but so Charles and Tammy, they're not in some remote location. Charles is out there grinding with us every day, sweating with us every day. And when we were there, man, I was like, good Lord, I, I'm, I'm worn out. Charles had other teams coming in in consecutive weeks. So he picks them up at the airport and he's out there every day doing that. And it is a labor of love because it is hot. I mean... You know, uh, just all kinds of logistics problems there. But, man, we met some of the sweetest people that we ever met uh, in South Africa. And our hearts were touched by that. So uh, uh, I want Charles and Tammy to come. Would you just come and stand in front and face our congregation? And uh, if you were part of our team, uh, would you come to the front? Just kind of circle Charles and Tammy. We're going to pray over them this morning. If you were part of our South Africa team, would you come? You didn't get to meet DJ, their ultimate souvenir. DJ is a South African little boy that they were visiting in an orphanage. And, uh, man, they love DJ. They adopted DJ. He's part of their, uh, part of their family. So when you look on that poster out there and you see the African-American young man that's their, that's their son there you go that's a great picture that's DJ there so uh, we're going to just pray would you just pray with us Paul would you just take your mask off for a moment and just lead in prayer over Charles and Tammy we just want to ask God's blessing upon them today Lord we're so grateful for your goodness and your grace we're so grateful for your blessings upon Charles and Tammy this morning we thank you for the call that they've answered when you called him as a little boy. And God, that he heard your voice and he responded. It may have taken many years, but he responded to that call. And he's now there in, the, in sometimes very difficult conditions. But Lord, he's following through with that call. And we thank you so much for that, Lord, and for the many tabernacles that have gone up to be able to house people that they can come and learn about Christ and hear the gospel message and their lives be changed for eternity. We're so grateful for that. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of having them in our service this morning. And we ask you that your hand would continually overshadow them and guard them and protect them, Lord, we pray. We ask you for your spirit to go before them and open doors that they may not be able to open on their own. But God, we know of a God in heaven that's watching. And Lord, that when you, he answered the call, God, that you will provide and you'll open the doors. And we're so thankful for that this morning. We pray that you would continually to bless them and watch over them and guard them. In Jesus' name this morning, we thank you for your grace. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.